Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're going to drink two more beers. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys in this week, day, I don't know. We're continuing reading. Time period. Yeah, this is epic. We're continuing reading uh, the Booker long-ish list, (laughs) we're not sure what's on it yet, with Maps of Our Spectacular Bodies by Maddie Mortimer and Nate starting with a beer. So the main character, she has cancer. Spoiler. <laughs> Actually, no. It's right at the beginning. You find out right at the beginning. So she has a lot of scans done. Do you think she probably had a lot of brain scans? <laughs> yeah. This is Brain yeah, she, Scan yeah, by she, Finback, a triple IPA. It's a good one. Yes, I had the other three. Uh, <laughs> uh, triple 10%. IPA, dry hopped with Triumph, Citra, Ooh. Simcoe, and Sabro. And it is 10%. The book is quite sad, bro. (laughs) It is. It is a very sad book. I don't know about the triumph part. (laughs) The cancer triumphs. Spoiler. Okay. Uh, mm, But it's a really good beer. Yeah, I had the other three. Just before this. I almost (laughs) didn't save this. (laughs) So this is... today. (laughs) Nate would be dead if he drank the other three. (laughs) Nate would not. Oh, God. How strong is it? 10%. Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. So this is uh, Maddie Mortimer's first novel. She was born in 1996. Yeah, man, what the Jesus fuck are we doing with our lives? I did. I, I did. I was trying to. Find, she doesn't have like a Wikipedia page that I could find, but I. Uh, she had. I found her Twitter, and I really liked that her her tweet on the day they announced the long list was she retweeted the book or long list and wrote like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> Her grandfather and mother were writers, though. Different kind, but... One wrote greeting cards, and... The other one, one. goodbye cards. Yes. Bad business. Also, this is kind of... uh, Her mother (laughs) died of cancer, so that's what this book is kind of inspired by. Right. So the main character is Leah, which is short for Amelia, right? And she's in her, I guess, 40s. Is it ever really explicit? She's got to be somewhere around 43. Is it 43? Yeah. That's in the Um, 40s, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> if you guess vaguely enough, you're never wrong. <laughs> uh, yes, if you guess between one and infinity. So she finds out that she has cancer again, and you're like, man, I didn't even read the first book. I didn't know this was a sequel. <laughs> and uh, she has, so she has to deal with that. But it's told in like a weird way, this book. And as I really regret reading this in ebook. I wish I had gotten a physical copy of this. Because I don't think it translated very well to the ebook that I had. Um, yeah, I read it on my iPad, and it was okay, but a physical book would definitely be better. That's definitely what it's meant for. Because I was reading about it, like there's you know apparently one page where like it's entirely just the letter I, like a giant I or something yeah. like that. Yeah, my ebook was basically like pictures of each page, so like you couldn't highlight anything. It was just like basically almost like a PDF. So it was still maintained its artistic integrity, I guess. But anyway, it goes through a bunch of different perspectives and timelines, and one of those perspectives is the cancer. <laughs> Frank, that's actually the cancer. one that's almost in it the most. And well, it me. becomes in it more as the book goes on. Yeah. And at first, it, it speaks with itself. Uh, it, it's observing events, uh, Leah's life, and it says, I saw this and I saw that, and then... A bit more than halfway through the book, it shifts to we, 
we did this, we and us. Well, she has cancer of the Borg, so that's why (laughs) that happens. Uh, So she's the main character is the cancer and Leah, the cancer patient, victim, whatever. And also her family, and she has a daughter who is Iris, who is like 12 or something. 12, yeah. And then her husband, I'm blanking, I want to say Harry. Harry, Harry, who's a professor. And then there's also like a flashback part of the book, which is... Which is also a lot of book. Yeah, it's a lot of that. Of Leah's teenage years with her like Anglican reverend father and uptight bitch mom and her boyfriend, Matthew. Well, not at first. Well, first he's like the (laughs) apprentice... Reverend, he's like the he's like the ward, but he's like studying to go to yeah. seminary, and then later he starts seminary with <laughs> with uh, Leah, and they relentlessly bang like only teenagers can. Well, he's much he's he's uncomfortably older, also. Is he because he goes to college and she's like fifteen? So I mean, I don't know if this, he was like 18. she was fourteen. Ooh, all right. He comes home from college and, and fucks she's... her, and she was fourteen. Was yeah. she? All right. All right. So it was too old. I'm not, I'm not saying it was cool. <laughs> but they still have the sexual energy of teenagers, which I was reading it. I was like, I remember those days being that horny. And now I'm like, that's fucking like three years worth of banging they just did. Like, I don't have... <laughs> fucking... I am tired reading them. Fuck. <laughs> I would need several sandwiches. So I don't remember exactly how it starts, but we... So, so uh, the book is uh, written in a very unique way in that... It shifts perspective a lot. In fact, I think it never spends more than really about two pages on any single person's perspective, and person including the cancer. Like, it, it just keeps going, or shifts person, or shifts time frame. Like, Leah is a teenager, but it's not only about Leah, because it also goes to the other characters, like, point of view quite a bit as well. In each of these characters, like Iris, the daughter, Harry, the husband the mom who's named Anne, they each have their own little like story arc and it switches back and forth from time period and back and thing. But yet there is still a story that unfolds all the way through and each part is important. And you find out, you get just like a little hint of something that then shows up again later. Like, Oh my God, it was, it was, uh, I was, I was interested in it. But anyway, so it starts with Leah. She's waiting to cross the street and uh, she sees two little kids run out in front of a car and get hit by the car, but they're okay. Oh, but yeah. it is the day she discovers that her cancer is back. She already has had her breasts removed. And that was four or five years, four years before, five years before, something like that. But now mm-hmm. uh, the cancer is back. And you get introduced to the husband. who's like, oh my God, yeah, we're going to do this. And she... Another thing about the book is, you know, uh, there are sections of it that are written like literally someone's handwriting. And I think it was probably pictures of somebody's handwriting, although I guess that could be a font. I don't know. Now, it's probably somebody's handwriting, but anyway, and it, it'll like jump to that and she like falls asleep writing, try and survive for as long as you can, try and survive for as long as you can, and then wakes up and there's just like ink all over the bed anyway so uh leah is a uh she's an artist but also she makes um children's picture books and she's working on one about words i forget what the book was called though 
Got to pay the bills, man. Doing the, the, the lame children's book illustrating gig. Yeah, well, she liked it because it allowed her to both indulge her like interest in words and her interest in art at the same time. Okay, this is going to be very difficult to explain just because it's told in such a nonlinear order and in such tiny little chunks. I'm like Ooh. trying to flip through the book and like remember like, oh yeah, what happened next? I'm like, oh, nope, that's just not going to be possible. I'm just going to put it down. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of part of it is her, I guess, or like the cancer, like looking at, it's almost like the cancer is like looking at her memories, right? It's kind of like exploring her body and be like, what's going on over here? And it talks about these other characters, like other parts of her, like fossil, which I guess was her bones. I think each of those like weird things was the cancer's word for another person. Like velvet was, I think that's Leah or like dove is her mother. Fossil oh. is, um, I think Fossil is. Uh, I think it's her father? Matthew. Oh, oh I Matthew. get it. Oh, yeah, oh, right. It's Matthew. I, I think Red is her father. Yeah, they all like the cancer has names for all of them. You don't really figure oh. it out until way into it. But so, it's also written in a very poetic way. So I think it's not a hundred percent like that is always what it is. It is also yeah. like, but it's like it's like exploring her body and it's watching the story of her life. Sort of is how I understood it. Like. Because it's going around, it's like, hey, I'm looking at her brain. Brains are funny. And then this thing ha- plays over there, you know, or this thing is playing on her scapula. or So that, that's kind of like the glue to keep it, like all these like random tidbits together. But it's kind of like following like two story, two timelines. There's like what's happening in the present day. And that more or less follows along in order. And then there's the her teenage years episode with Matthew. And that kind of like kind of introduces it and then it comes cuts back and forth and then also will be the story like what's happening with iris and like the fucking horrible mean girls at her school <laughs> who are impressively mean they calls her burn girl right she's burn girl yeah yeah i like uh the, the mean i forget the fucking mean girl's name but she made all of her little bitch cronies had to write down other secrets about people and she about she, other people about other yeah, people yeah, like burn girl and then put those into she had like a little treasure chest box of them, and she would they would read one I forget a week one a week, <laughs> but like so the whole thing is like, the more secrets you put about other people, the less likely you the secrets about you get read. Like it's a fucking like evil game theory thing that this t- his child genius. made up. <laughs> it's, imp- it's incredible. It's like something out of a like a, a PG rated Saw movie. <laughs> Just how like, cruel it's like a beautiful they? mind, but for <laughs> mean girls. Well, you know what she probably needed and. um the mom needed, everyone probably needed it at some point. They probably needed some big hugs. Because um, <laughs> things are fucked up. Cancer notwithstanding. This is a beer we've had a long time ago into the past called Big Hugs from the Half Acre Beer Company. It's an imperial coffee stout. And knowing that it's been cellared in the back of my refrigerator since, since 2020, uh, I'm curious to see what happened to it. It tastes basically, like I remember, like a watery coffee stout. All right. Really disappointed that I didn't get good beers for today. I'm just drinking these old funky ones, but yeah. So it goes. Uh, you <laughs> could help support us in getting new beers, though, if you want to head over to patreon.com slash Drunk Guys Book Club, where you could uh, get early access to episodes, exclusive content, merch shit sent to you, a discount on merch, which we still sell merch. People seem to have forgotten that. <laughs> we do. <laughs> but we do. Uh, I, think we, I think we forgot it, too. I, I think it's... I think I, <laughs> The tense is we sold merch. <laughs> like we did. We, we did have, it once. We have sold merch. We have sold merch. That is true. 
And uh, there's all sorts of other stuff on there, our Patreon. If you're into that, to help us out, go f- check it out. If that's not your thing, that's also cool. You can help out the podcast just by leaving us a review, uh, a good one, hopefully, or just telling people to check it out. Do it before cancer kills you, because according to this book, one in two people will get cancer. And boy, was that a depressing statistic to read. <laughs> so That seems really high. On a lighter note, this is like, you know, silver lining. It's because medicine has uh, solved almost everything else besides, you you know. If you live long enough, you will get cancer. (laughs) But also a lot of them are treatable. Like not, a lot of them is probably just like melanoma or something. You just get lasered off. I assume. I mean, you know, you hear. It seems like you only hear about the horrible cancers that exist, which are they're all terrible. Let's say like it's there are some you're like, oh, cancer, yay. (laughs) But there are plenty that are more treatable than others. Hmm. Um, so the only like newsworthy things in people's lives tend to be like, you know, unless it's like someone close to you, you hear like, oh, that guy died of cancer. <laughs> You're like, oh fuck, cancer strikes again. But when it's someone had to get like a, a weird growth re- removed, that's not really like in the family Christmas letter. <laughs> yeah. And Aunt, old Aunt Edna's mole grew, so it was lasered off. Turned out it was cancerous, but she still made her famous fruitcake. It was another toe. <laughs> It was her twin. It was in an unexpected <laughs> place. <laughs> so, so okay, yeah. If let's tell this, uh, okay, let's tell this more in chronological order. Although you do not discover all this in chronological order. So, Leah grew up in this like little village in England, um, where her father was the local vicar, what Episcopalian vicar. So it's Anglican. Anglican, yeah, there we go. Anglican, Episcopalian is the U.S. version of Anglican. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so but they're actually Anglican because they're actually in England. There we go. Uh, so he's the Anglican. In the United States, the Anglican can't call it that. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's an only child. She's very lonely, but of course she's smart and, not t- and artistic. I almost said autistic. She's smart and artistic <laughs> and clever but her mom is cold, and her father doesn't know how to relate to her either because he just doesn't know how to relate to women, I think, she in general. She is a lonely child. Yes. She doesn't have friends. No, I mean, she, she doesn't really have friends. I mean, they're in a small village. There aren't that many people. But, but there's anyway. A, there's an episode where she, the twins, the two pretty girls that she becomes friends with, they like invite her to go to the swimming hole thing, and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm finally making friends!" And then she realizes there's a ton of kids there. She's like, "Oh, this is just people hanging out. I don't even know what this means." <laughs> like she's so like she's so removed. It reminded me of in uh, Oh William when the main character didn't know how to go to the pool because she grew up poor and didn't know like you just lie around at the pool and was like very <laughs> uncomfortable. This is Leah like not knowing how to like. Socialize with people. I mean, she's not dumb. She just kind of didn't have friends before. Anyway, so when she's when Leah is twelve, she's at home with the family with her mom and dad, and there's a knock on the door. Or more like, wait, let me back up for a second. So the father had come home, and he was very like quiet and sad, and he was because he had just had to preside over a funeral that was basically empty. Or there's really only like one person there at the funeral. And he's that that always got him to be very, very sad about that. Anyway, so he uh so anyway, they're they're at home and there's a knock on the door and Aaliyah doesn't exactly know what's going on, but her mom and dad are like 
uh, we can't do this. Uh, what, what are we going to do when they decide to basically let this kid in? Cause you, as you find out like this kid, the reason why the kid knocked on the priest's door or the yeah, priest's door, Vickers, Vickers door is because he was the one at the funeral. He's an orphan. His mom had died a while ago. This was his father had just died. And so now he like literally has nowhere to go. And so the father, so they, they take him in. They, they literally like, okay, you can stay here with us. And Leah's about 12 at this time. And at first she doesn't know what to think or more like she's very, she's very curious about him. But then uh, a year later, anyway, so he literally stays with them and, and her parents clearly love him. They grow to love him as really like the son that they always wanted, which of course causes some, uh, you know, feelings for Leah. Also, when Leah is 13, something like that, 12, 13, so like maybe maybe it was a couple months later, maybe it was a year later, Leah's outside and she's like out barefoot, and, but it was cold out and she comes in. She was outside where she wasn't supposed to. She's got like almost like frostbite. She comes in and he's like, oh, we've got to like clean you up. And so he goes to wash her feet and she likes it. <laughs> That's the first sign. That's a foot guy. Should have seen it coming. Well, she likes it. She's, she's a foot like, girl. Yeah, she's yeah. a foot girl, definitely. Who doesn't, I mean, who doesn't like getting rubbed? She's, <laughs> she finds herself very attracted to him, but of course doesn't say anything. And then a year goes by, another year goes by, and Matthew goes off to college. And she's very sad. She misses him. And then... After, you know, he comes back from college, you know, after, I don't know, it's not Thanksgiving break because they don't do that there. But, you know, he, he just comes back. And then he's like, hey, I made you a, a mixtape. <laughs> Although it doesn't use the word mixtape. I made you a tape and then uh, let me let me play it for you. And then they fuck. And then... It goes in your vagina. <laughs> By mixtape, I mean penis. And then they fuck a lot. And but she had, this, she had been gelling it, thinking about him when he walks in. She was like, yes. Let me warm this thing up just in case. And then they they just become like rabbits. <laughs> just <laughs> fucking prolifically fucking. But also they have to hide from her parents. And it goes like back and forth like that a lot. And then... I forget what happens, but he like comes back from college. I think he goes away for a while. He stays the night with her and something happens. And then he leaves for an entire year and does not come back. Well, cause wasn't he going to like a fucking, like a better college or some shit? Cause he's going to become a vicar. Uh, I think it's, it was like the reason why he didn't come back is because he was, um, dude, she's 12. Yeah. The Lord has tempted me. I have failed this No, test. there's something that happened in that scene, I just can't remember what it was, that made him, like, that scared him off, kind of. Is and that what then, you said, that she didn't believe in God? Yes, that was it, because he is very religious, and he's, like, started at the, like, um, seminary, their version, the Anglican version of seminary, whatever that is, and she says, you know, I don't believe in God. I, I never did. I never have. <laughs> And I think it's because she didn't like her parents, or she didn't relate I don't think to they, her I, parents. I don't think they liked her, <laughs> so, so no, it was yeah. mutual. Yeah, it went both ways. Like, yeah, really? The mom sucks. Yeah, and so then he leaves for a year, and she is so sad, so lonely. And he barely 
sees her at all, like for the next several years to the point where she's now like, and then she's a senior in high school and he's already gone off, which you find out more about later, but she's a senior in high school. There's like a big dance, which is at their tiny little like village school. It's like in the fucking church basement. Yeah, basically. It's a, because it's in the church basement, because it's a church thing. She, talks to him, talks to Matthew. She calls Matthew and says, why don't you, I, you know, it's been an entire year. Won't you come see me for this? Won't you come back? Won't you, won't you come to this dance for me? And he, all he says is, I'll see what I could do. Right? Something like that. Well, in his year away, he's learned about how to like, from pickup artist guys, clearly it's like, you never, you always make the women feel shitty. He's like, learned that philosophy. Negging. Yeah. He's like, listen, I don't know. I'll maybe. I don't know. Depends on how good looking, how good you look. <laughs> like he just does that kind of shit. And then of course, as only happens, as as, as a nice guy's only witness happen, she's like, "Fuck!" Now I want him more. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, she goes to the dance with the twins, who are really both really pretty and really smart. <laughs> like they're going to Oxford to study medicine or something. And like, does this matter? And it's like I don't know. Uh, but they go there and they go and matthew's not there and she's like this motherfucker and uh things start to feel pretty dire this is a beer we had we had a million years ago so long ago we probably had it in person last time uh, i drank one of these this is from wolf's ridge brewing and it's called dire wolf dire wolf <laughs> and it's an impression imperial stout that's 10.4 percent alcohol and it's been uh it's been it's been in the cellar for four years mm. Oh my god, did we have that with our Game of Thrones episode? That might be what we had it on. But even then it wouldn't have been like brand new. Yeah, Game of Thrones. The list, the list never lies. Never it's doubt real, the list. It's pretty damn good. Uh for it doesn't show its age. Uh it doesn't have any terrible growths in it. That's good. For like a straight stout. It's almost like I remember it being kind of more bitter and roast, you know, kind of like burnt coffee flavors. And this is, those are kind of rounded out. I'm impressed you can remember anything about how it tasted remember. that far back. You well, I, damn thing. <laughs> certain beers I remember have like a savant like ability for certain things, things that don't matter. Uh, my wife will be the first to tell you. <laughs> oh man, she's just sending me more memes about Leonardo DiCaprio only fucking young women. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Have you been seeing any of these jokes? They're fucking amazing. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio had to break up with his current girlfriend so he could be present at the birth of his next girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so when she, it was like, what Leonardo sees at 24 and it's Kate Winslet at 25 and it's oh, the old lady from Titanic. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so she sent me another one. There was room on, for Jack on the door, but there was another problem. It shows Kate Winslet's character 26 years old. <laughs> <laughs> rather oh, like it. <laughs> oh there was and another titanic one was um the movie titanic turns 25 this year leonardo caprio said he has no interest in seeing it anymore <laughs> 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 uh, so uh, she's just texting me so yeah she'll tell you that i don't remember real important things like uh paying bills and shit like that but okay. but i i do remember i do remember having this beer because i bought a four pack of it in ohio and i was like this is gonna be good and it was like yeah it's fine <laughs> But it's gotten better. So um, 
Things look pretty dire at the dance. Matthew has not shown up. So then she's like drunk. The, one, one of the twins, they get drunk. The twins have a flask. And so they're all getting pretty drunk. And the twins go, that boy over there, he, I, I, think he's, I, I think he's looking at you. You should go over and talk to him. And so they talk for about a second. And they're like, let's go fucking the cemetery. And uh, they go out in there. And she's like, con- it seems like, seemed to me at least, that she was like conflicted. Like... She's like, fucking Matthew, asshole. I'm horny. This guy's fine. I don't know. And then they have this really awkward, awful sex that is the sort of thing you forget about when you're a teenager uh, later on. On a gravestone. Yeah. That's uh, cool. Just well, like it's, Mary it's, Shelley. It's almost a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the creeper's threesome. <laughs> it's when you bang on a grave. A goth threesome, maybe. It's the closest to watch. <laughs> yeah, we have the quiet voyeurs. <laughs> so she like shows she's drunk and she fucks the guy that she's like, "Who are you?" Uh, like literally in the cemetery on a grave on a gravestone. And then afterwards, she goes and like it's very specific that like it gets awkward. And he kind of like loses his boner, and she has to blow him for ten minutes for him to come. That's in there because then she keeps yeah. talking about how she's like cum breath. Yeah, and she's like, oh fuck, I still have a cum in my mouth. Like, how much? I mean, he's a teenager. How much? <laughs> and it was it was clearly his first time. Must have been a geyser. But <laughs> that that is like, I was like, why is this fucking detail here? And then the cancer is telling this part. And it's like jacking off. Probably it's like this is fucking hot. <laughs> this I'm not making any of that. I mean, I don't know. I can't say the cancer didn't jack off. Didn't say it's not. Didn't say it's not. And it's clearly, I mean, he was a boob guy. <laughs> no? All right. Yeah. So then, as soon as she's done sucking off this dude, she goes back into the party, and they're like, hey, someone's here to see you. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, Matthew. Let's uh, going. <laughs> yeah, and then it's Matthew. Someone spilled bleach? What does that smell? <laughs> <laughs> And then, so, like, the the book is told in these, like, little sections. Like, one, two. They're just with these names. Like, each one ends with, like, a devastating, like, thing. Maybe not each one, but most of them do. Yeah. And this one, and it's because it's told out of order. You, like, find out these, like, big, big events. And then one of them ends with, oh, there's someone here to, someone's, been, someone's here looking for you. Oh, and it's Matthew. Uh, fuck. And then... You get back some of the, like, present-day Leah, who is, like, dealing with the cancer, and it's, like, getting worse, and it's, like, she's going to chemo with her mom, and it's brutal, but also, like, they clearly don't actually like each other, or they're, you know, have a very difficult relationship. And then it switches back to teenage Leah, and then it's, you know, Matthew, because he had a car, took her and the twins and like got in the car and then like stop on the side of the road and they drink more because he's got like a bunch of whiskey in the trunk you find out later that he's an alcoholic so this was like very bad and then he's like has a conversation like i can smell it on you i know what you did and then they immediately crash and he's and, like, where'd that deer come from? <laughs> yeah, they, they immediately crash. And then they're like at the hospital and she has like, has to get stitches. And he has like hit his head pretty bad. And they're both like bleeding a lot, but you know, nobody dies. But then on the way home from the hospital, it was clearly like, you know, they were, they were in a car wreck. 
and they'd clearly been drinking, but you don't find out. No, there are no DUIs involved, I guess. I don't know. You would think maybe. It was that, the 80s or whatever. It was, yeah. like, ah, it was probably like uh, 92. I, I don't know. But it's like a little no, middle of nowhere town. And it's the vicar's kid. Uh, no one got, yeah. no, no one, no one died. No one's property was fucked up. Like, uh, and then on the way home from the hospital, Leah tells her mother, you know, oh yeah, no, we've, we've been fucking for a couple of years now. You just didn't want to see it. It's like they weren't really hiding it very well. I mean, it's a fucking one-horse town. This sound carries. The mom was just playing dumb. She must have known. She had to. But she didn't want to know. So right. she, like, well, there's an ex- it out. There's a discussion. There's a scene where the dad and the mom are talking. And they're like, well, I wonder what they do on those walks they're always taking. <laughs> and they're like, I'm probably talking, I guess. Like, what do you think they're talking about? And the dad's like, well, we find stuff to talk about, don't we? Like, uh, nah, dude. <laughs> Do you remember being that age? There, there's very little talking necessary. So they were willfully blind to it. Yeah. So after that, her and her mother, like, don't speak for three weeks. Oh, yeah. And then when they do speak, they have, like, the most, like, you know, devastating conversation where Leah says, I wish I had never been born. Yeah, that's it. I wish I'd never yeah. been born. And the mom says, finally, we have something in common. Ooh. Oh, snap. And then the mom says something else devastating. I forget what it is, though. But, of course, this is like a kid. And this you have cum breath. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a kid. This is a teenager. And, and the mom is like, I'm so mad at you. I mean, she, what she said, that, but what she, she, she says is, is um, she says, I'm going to leave and I'll never come back. Once I'm gone, I'll never come back. And the mom says, good. I'm sure then we will know some peace. <laughs> yes, that's it. We will then know some peace. Like, but like will be better without you here because you're a hussy. But like, I can understand the mom being upset about that, like her, her strumpetry. But was she a shitty? She was like, a, by all it seems like she was a pretty great kid before that. Like the mom was just... Is that the mom is so... Mom is a hyper-religious, very conservative woman. So she's just so shamed, right? Yeah. That's what it is. And, you know, she can't be banging as a child. You know, this is a woman who, like, you know, the, the vicar's wife. She's, like, all literally holier than thou. And then Leah does leave uh, because she goes off to... She, go, she moves to London. She's both, like, going to college and not a good college, but just, like, a regular college because her grades were terrible because she's, like, so upset. It, I mean, this is, like, before in high school her grades were really bad because, you know, she's really upset about missing Matthew or more like she's Yeah, she she's was definitely distracted yeah, for, like, that last that year he wasn't around. Anyway, so it gets, she, she's doing a bunch of odd jobs. I forget what they were. Worked Something at a hotel. In a hotel. Yeah. She's a she's a maid at the hotel, and then at the at the hotel, she eventually she's there for a while doing classes. She eventually meets Connie. Oh yeah, who becomes right. her lifelong friend, who they have a brief les fest with. Right? She like, like makes literally it. like one minute. She's like, nah. But she has for, for that me. minute. She's like, man, it'd be so like, great to not need penis. But <laughs> that's the first time you, as the reader, meet Connie. Is like, oh, I wish I could just be done with men. It's not that easy, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. But yeah, that, that that scene, like they make out and uh, 
And then Connie's, and then she's like, actually, I don't think I'm a lesbian. And Connie's response was really funny. She said something like, I might have some use for you yet. <laughs> or something. <laughs> Wait till I introduce you to scissoring <laughs> before you make any decisions. <laughs> so yeah, then, then she meets her in the like chronological sense of the book. And then, yeah, chronologically. And you, you're finding this all, and then also interspersed with this are scenes of like, oh, and then... Iris, in her, like, really interesting... Because she's a, also, like, Leah, a very, like, smart, precocious. observant, precocious It kind kid. of verged into, like, the super smart kid trope at points, you know? Yeah. You know that thing that's in, like, movie like, these kind of stories where, like, the kid is so much wiser beyond their years, you know, because it makes for a story that's interesting? It kind of got there at certain points. But she's not... But she's also, like pretty unhappy with the situation yeah and some like really uh, so a a lot of this book is incredibly sad and one of the things that like iris says is oh you didn't have another child you you didn't i I didn't get a brother or sister i didn't have another child because you thought the cancer came back but the cancer came back anyway and i'm still lonely she said why didn't you have another kid she said the doctor said if i did it might bring the cancer back. He said, well, it still fucking did. And so now you're dying and I'm alone. <laughs> and I'm still lonely. But the mom's answer, I thought, was pretty good. But she said, she said something like, but then I might have had even less time with you. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, no, well, well, later, uh, this is like, you know, in the, the last part of the book, it gets even more devastating where then you know this is when you know mom is uh leah is dying like very much dying and uh iris says is this my fault did you guess did you get this cancer because you had me which is oh gosh yeah yeah oh my god a lot of it really sad like no Um, stupid that's not how it works (laughs) and then there's like harry who's like the perfect husband, except then he also cheats on her, or he does while she's dying. Well, he's trying well, his no, best. No, he does. No, he he, 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 want, he like tried to, but he just didn't. He couldn't. I thought <laughs> he, he did. No, he just like we like met the girl at the bar, and just like yeah, I can't. And then he tells her like I met her, but I don't, I don't want her. And she's like, oh, it's nice that you tried. <laughs> he well because he hears it earlier on from. Uh, the other, like the really good-looking professor, about the time the grad student was sucking his dick under during a lecture. Like, during a lecture, he's <laughs> like, a, "Oh my!" And, and then the lecture, and then the lecture was going to start, so kids start, so students started coming in, and he started coming in students. <laughs> <laughs> waka waka. Like, oh, that's ridiculous. That doesn't. That's that would never. No one's going to fall for, like. Only in sh- in porn movies do the other people not know what's happening. You know that they're like, he's. He's strangely distracted during this lecture, and he keeps, like, pushing something down by his crotch. There, what is that? As he talks about Thucydides or whatever it is. It was, it was, and the guy's like, ah, grad students. She, and, and the guy's graphic about it. He's like, she did this thing with my balls and her tongue. And the guy's like, it's like I don't need to hear all these details. I just wanted to have lunch. <laughs> And then so they, oh, eat they, my hot dog in peace. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me demonstrate with that hot dog. I'll show you some of the tricks. <laughs> and that kind of plants the seed in Harry's brain. He's like, man, I should. Because he heard the students were talking, who was, who was the hottest professor in this department or whatever? And he was second. <laughs> so, so he begins in puss. Like, I should. 
But it's also can... because Leah has told him, like, you should move on once I'm gone. Well, yeah. Like, when I don't want to talk about she this. And she's like, you should get out there, man. I know you don't. got it in you. And But he doesn't want to, you know, do that because he's... Who wants us to feel sad? <laughs> but also, when they mentioned, like, you know, they said they talk about Harry earlier in the book, who said, like, it's the kind of guy who didn't have many friends because he was just so happy with his wife, he forgot to have them. You know, there are people like that. Yeah. You know, they yeah. get a girlfriend or, or married or whatever, and then they just kind of, like, drop all their other friends, which I get it. I'm not going to suck your dick, so I get <laughs> not wanting to help me as much. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> I mean, We've been friends a while. Uh, I've not sucked your dick yet. (laughs) She has a track record (laughs) at least once per birthday. I get it. I understand it. (laughs) And then when they break up, they're like, hey, what's going on? What did I miss? It's like, I don't know, man. How was it over there? I mentioned the dick sucking. So, uh, (laughs) Nate, the book is sad. You need to bring levity to this situation. It is relentlessly brutal. It is relentlessly sad. So one thing about the book is it really only does like a page or a page or less about each person's perspective. And then it jumps back and forth in time between a different person, back in time, forward in time, this person, that person. And then it's sort of like dealing with all these different things. And, and, and I noticed one like a clever thing about writing a book like that is it only jumps between the most dramatic moments. There's like, really like no like, like Dan- oh, we need to get from the Shire to uh, fucking whatever that place is. And there's just like, and we're Tom just walking Bombadil along. Didn't and, cure her cancer. And now I'm hungry and I didn't have 11 Z's. And it's like, well, this is kind of boring. But <laughs> this, like, this book doesn't need any of that because it jumps. It, it can just jump back and forth. It's, it, it could do a Dan Brown. You know, because just every every chapter just ratchets it up. You don't have to have the boring chapters of, you know, the lengthy sessions of them sitting through chemo and feeling nauseated for days. And rat- Though you there just, are a few of those. They are, but they also come up in, like, bigger... Like, this, there's a scene where she's at the supermarket, and she realizes, like, the other kid... Like, there's, like, two kids looking at her. They're like, ooh, because she is clearly visibly ill. You're not well looking, and she's like, ah, "Fuck it, I'm dying." Go, <laughs> oh, great, thanks. But it doesn't dwell. It's not like long passages, but they just take. Like, here's a little like snapshot of that, and then we can go over here. So it's just it's like a speed bag, but of gut punches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like Leah in her twenties, she's like at college and like also working at the same time, and makes friends with Connie. But then she gets a letter. From Matthew, with just an address. It doesn't even say who it's, it's from. The first epistle of Matthew <laughs> arrives. And it just has an address in Italy. He, and then, write, he writes one word. He writes, come. And she's like, gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that easy. <laughs> but she does. <laughs> she goes. <laughs> she doesn't come. She goes. Uh, and so she goes to Italy. It should be going when him. you're the one doing it. <laughs> Should be, yeah. Uh, and then she goes to Italy and sees him, and then stay. And he's dropped out of seminary and lived there. Lived in this like literally Boarding like house. farm, 
like basically it's a farm with like yeah boarding house but they take in boarders just to like help with the farm work and stuff i feel like there are a lot of drifters that live there yes <laughs> they're called italians <laughs> there's a lot of foreigners that live there they say they're on vacation it mentions like all the different people from it's all like, over and all the Brazilians like and the Americans and all that but shit. But yet it seems very European. Like, oh, that's normal in Europe. People it's just like a, do that. like a youth hostel or something. Yeah, just kind of. A little bit. And so she goes to see Matthew and then they basically live there together for at least a year. I want to say it was like a year two. and a half almost. Yeah. And then she is like not, not in college. She's like helping milking the cows and like picking the olives and helping out around the house and doing stuff like that. And they like save up a little bit of money and they're going to like go away together. They're going to like move somewhere together. I forget where it was, but that doesn't that's what happen. The, that's what the cows do, Nate. They move. <laughs> <laughs> and you milk and them to make it the provolone. <laughs> a spicy make it the mozzarella. <laughs> the mozzarella. <laughs> well, they weren't in Sicily, but yeah, that's right. The Italians, you can't even say Italian words live. <laughs> you know, like like your ancestors? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like the, you know, like the um, Sopranos type of Italian. We're like, get the gabagool. <laughs> like, have you ever seen how that word is spelt? Do you know spell, how would you spell gabagool, Nate? Do you know what gabagool is? Besides so an Italian actually, ghost is a gabagool. I, it's actually a cured meat, I believe. Yes. Except I would also think it's just like, it's an insult you say to somebody. Uh. No, it's, you it's, fucking gabagool. <laughs> it could. I mean, it's not. I would believe that it is. I've never heard it used that way. But it's spelt like capicola. Oh, but, yeah. But the um, southern Italian thing is to like the C's become a G sound, and you just lop off the end of every the last vowel. It makes a whole new word idea of chewing gum. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> Um, that's where my, you know, it's the only Italian words I heard growing up from, from grandma were like food names and, and curse words and names for your penis or whatever. The important stuff. That, that's why she didn't speak fluent Italian. Her mother did, but like it gets filtered down. Like the only the shit you really need, but yeah, gabagool, gabagool. <laughs> um, gabagool is an Italian ghost. I made that joke just a minute ago. Did you? Yeah. I can't. It's all right. That. Cut out, I guess. I don't know. It's a great, it's a great joke though. <laughs> it's a cup of ghoul. <laughs> There's a. Did I guess send you the the video of of someone singing the the Sopranos theme song? But like, you know the, the fucking dumb theme Guy song, the Sopranos. Yeah, but he's just like woke up this morning. Got some gabagool. <laughs> and it just, it just keeps going. Then I went to the store, picked up some more gabagool, and just that's the the whole song is about purchasing gabagool. <laughs> Because that's the whole show, is them just saying, hey, the fucking gabagool, take care of the thing. <laughs> um, so they're living on a farm, maybe producing gabagool. <laughs> yes, rustic local gabagool. Artisanal gabagool is a fucking amazing band name. <laughs> From Staten Island. Oh, absolutely. A Staten <laughs> Island metal. <laughs> it's, it's the only type of metal that has an accordion in it. <laughs> So then one day they have they have, they have their arguments and whatnot and they you know because he's uh, he sucks and then one day they're like, a mess. they're like let's go let's go away to the shore and just get out of here for like a week or two <laughs> and just get away from things and then she wakes up in the morning and he's gone and so is all their money and he's like sorry I went by myself I'll be back in a little bit and she's like and well, she knew they have that, a big fight they have yeah. a big like argument 
and he is, of course, incredibly super drunk at the same time uh, when they fight, which is also, you find out later, that he's an alcoholic, so I guess that makes a lot more sense. But he decides to just leave. He's like, what he says is, after the fight, is, let's go away to the beach for a week. And then she wakes up in the morning with a note, to, to a note that just says, I went away to the beach without you. Sorry. And took all their money. I was and using the royal let's. <laughs> let us. <laughs> let's, let me go to the beach for a week. And clearly, because he had also ghosted her a couple times before, it's like, oh, he's not coming back. This is not going to be a thing. And so, like, the people run the farm, give her some money, and says, oh, let, you can get a job here, and then you will go help you get a job somewhere else, and then you can earn enough money to hopefully make it back to England. And then she does. And then there's like a scene where, so you get some point of view perspective scenes from, um, from uh, Leah's mother. And Leah's mother's like, they told me I needed to disconnect the landline, but I wouldn't let them just in case Leah called. And then one day she did. So she comes home, but then goes back to London, to the university to finish her degree or get her degree in. Illustration, art, something. It was art or something. Art and art and languages or something like that was her, what she was studying initially. I don't remember what happened at the end. Okay, so we're going chronologically, but uh, there's a lot of other stuff that happens, like kind of in between, because then Leah's in London, but then Leah's father gets sick, gets dementia, and becomes almost like kind of childlike. He starts uh, talking so he, in tongues, and then just before he's about to die. Matthew comes home. This is now a couple of years later. No, this is like eight years later, <laughs> something like, like that. Man, that beach was great. <laughs> uh, you could really lose track of time there. <laughs> Matthew is, this is like eight years later. So Matthew comes home, com- comes back to the little village that doesn't have a name, and then is there when the father dies. And it's pretty sad. And then he fucks Leah one more time. One for the road. <laughs> and then leaves. Also explains how, at that point how he's an alcoholic. And then is gone. You never actually see him again chronologically. But the book is told in totally out of order. So you don't actually find out a lot of this till near the very end. Because at this point, Iris has been... The, the secret that they pull out of the box was that like Iris's dad was seen cheating on his, her dying mother. And Iris says, like, he's not even my real dad. And you're like, what the fuck does she mean? Mm. And then you found that. I was like, oh, okay. I suspected this early on, though, because like it had to be a big reveal. Right? And the big reveal wasn't going to be like, and then we amicably, amicably parted ways, me and Matthew. <laughs> and then I met Harry at a singles bar. <laughs> like, <laughs> there had to be a thing. It says that she found out she, like, she banged him, and then she found out she was pregnant a few weeks later, and that was like, she had been seeing Harry for two weeks at that point. She said, like, hey, I'm just found I out I'm pregnant. St- if you want to bail, that's okay. And he's like, nah, son. Now I know you put out, so I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> she could have played it a little different. Like, all right, I'm going to start fucking this guy now <laughs> and trick his ass. But he's the nicest man in the world, so she didn't. But he, so that also, she's not evil. <laughs> you're not into pregnant, huh? So I guess anal's off the table. Or it's not. <laughs> I don't want to scare the baby. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, ah. It'd be very traumatizing. Have you read Dianetics? Like, that could be upsetting. (laughs) I'm so jammed up. (laughs) 
I don't want a kid that can't eat mayonnaise for the rest <laughs> of its life. Cause <laughs> like getting slimed on Nickelodeon. <laughs> Green is a right, the right color, right? Yeah, for... it is. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, and then I guess there's a, then there's a big gap in time of like it literally 10, 12 years to when the, all that happens. And then sort of like the, like the regular timeline, the, the, the current day timeline where Leah has cancer and then is going to cancer, getting chemo and uh, Connie is always like gets better, gets worse, gets better, gets worse. And then Connie invites them to see the ballet and it's amazing. And Leah says, "Oh, I'm so happy. I th- I think the I, I think it's working. I think I think it's better." And then the next day, she and Harry go back to the oncologist, where he says, "No, it's now spread everywhere. It's, it's in your brain. It's in your liver. It's everywhere." And she also told Connie that, like, this, when they were younger, they said, "Neither of us can die until one of us is famous." And she, at the thing, she's like. I think this is one that be the one that makes you famous, and you know, and that's good. Which means one of us can die. <laughs> yeah. A little melodramatic there. <laughs> and then it's Leah getting a lot of chemo, and then Iris, her daughter, like with all the all the all the mean girls, and Harry being interested in the grad student, but. I thought he did fuck her, but uh, he didn't. He did, he he he, he, he like tried, like he wanted to, and she was like encouraging him to. But he's like, he just he like he doesn't want to in the end. He had to like psych himself up. And he's like, nah, fuck this. But he wouldn't fuck this. No, don't fuck this. Um, and then she gets <laughs> worse and worse, and and then the like final section is this pretty dramatic thing where the where the cancer. Don't forget, the cancer is a character. That yeah. like is in between all of these things. So then, and then in the second to last section, the cancer is like, it's us now. Huzzah! <laughs> it's we. And the cancer says like, we did this, and then we did that, and then basically Leah has to make peace with like actually dying. And one of the one of the lines in the book is, when you die, is it in first person or third person? And it says that a couple times. Which is an interesting question. But then at the very end, it's, oh no, it's in second person. You died. It becomes <laughs> you died. Oh, okay. Which still doesn't answer the question of what is it while you're dying? <laughs> but English that, teachers the still, world over were like, finally, children will know. This is like persons. the. Uh, like well, you have to actually know those things in order to like, get that reference. It's like a grammatical equivalent of like a, a, an asymptote. Like. At what point do you become... You're always approaching it, but you never actually hit it. I think it's like a grammatical Zen Cohen. Just <laughs> what, tends, what, what person do you die what in? What is the sound of one person dying? <sighs> Usually. <laughs> or, ow. <laughs> I mean, this, this seems pretty safe, right? <laughs> <laughs> or, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. I think I could fit it in there. <laughs> No one's watching, right? <laughs> he knows when to stop, right? Uh, so, and then uh, the, cancer, the, the cancer. <laughs> I don't need a. I don't need a helmet. <laughs> yeah, so, helmets are for fucking losers. <laughs> or uh, wait, I'll try to think of somebody. One more you could think of, right? Like, no, no, I'm fine to drive. <laughs> Just. <laughs> 
<laughs> I only had two. I can't walk, but I can drive. <laughs> I forget. I forget which of my dad's degenerate friends got pulled over for a DUI back in like the seventies. And the thing he said to the cop was like, well, I'm fucking too drunk to walk. <laughs> <laughs> you expect me to walk like this? <laughs> and he probably, he's not going to go to jail or anything. They're like, ah, get out of here. Flat again. Yeah, yeah. Guy. Yeah, knucklehead. There's black people I have to beat up. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. then she dies. And it's sad. And it's. Oh, you know, it's a rough, it's a rough ending, even though you know it's coming for the entire book. Yeah, it would have been fucking lame if she lived. There was no way she was going to live and have this be nominated. <laughs> it would have just been like a fucking Lifetime movie then, you know, like, yeah. it's just not that kind Chicken of Chicken soup for the experimental soul. For the, for the, for the booker soul? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that wouldn't have been good. So then she dies, which is, you know, bummer. And, um... Uh, Anything else there? No, that's it, right? I mean, there's a bunch more, but, you know. that's Oh, you know, tying up the characters, right? Yeah. Anything important there, though? No. She, re- she reconciles with her mom, I guess. But as, as, as it comes closer to the end of it, like, she is able to, sp- like, physically even speak less and less until I, the, the last chapter is just the cancer talking. No, it's pretty uh, horrible. I'll say, I, uh, I personally don't know anyone who died of, like, I know one of my family died of cancer. Um, I know, but I do know, I know someone who, who did lose their mom to cancer when they were pretty like around the same age of this, of Iris. And all I thought about was like how horrible that must be for like, you know, you think about at the mo at the time that happened, you're like, Oh God, that's so sad. It's so fucked up and whatever for the kid to lose their mom or for the mom. But then like, you just think like all these other things that go along with it, like where, where you don't think about them often, but like reading this book made me think about them. It's like, man, it's a fucking horrible thing that people go through all the fucking time. And it was really, really depressing. My uncle died of cancer. He had it for 10 years. She put up a good fight. That's like the language people use. Everything about cancer is like battle language. Yeah. So it was very fighting. Like, oh, we're going we're gonna to fight this thing. We're going to beat it. We're going Nate? to attack the Western salient. <laughs> Back to this fucking sad book. What did you guys think of it? I really liked it. I thought it was... Very creatively written, uh, just the and very touching and very sad. I thought it was great. I thought it was really good. I can see how, okay, I didn't think it was pretentious, but I think that's also a reasonable opinion that someone could have because it is written in a very uh, different way with all these weird like text things and all these like very sort of like poems, just like jumped in there in the middle i uh, just like in the middle of middle of things and so i guess but i didn't actually think it was it could have come off that way but i didn't think so jimmy jimothy uh, it, you know like the first maybe quarter of it i was like oh, it's all right this experimental these weird sections because you, you don't really figure out that it is the cancer. i didn't didn't figure out it was the cancer that was talking until like near the end where i was like oh i finally get it now because i was like what the fuck is this i don't understand that was just like a Weird yeah, third weird person narrator so. thing, like just redoing. I didn't get it, but by the end, when you get it, you, it all comes together. It's like it's it's really it's it's fantastic. It's brutal, but I, I loved it, and it was hard for me to get through at times. 
I I knew it was the cancer just because I remember reading something about it. It was like, this is the book where part of it's from the perspective of a tumor. Oh, <laughs> that sounds fucking okay. dumb. And then you read it. Like, oh, it worked out a lot better as opposed to whatever I had imagined. But I, I do see what you were saying. Like, it, could, it could feel gimmicky. I mean, that can be said of a lot of the Booker things, because they're always going to be weird. And everyone's going to see new stuff. Anything new is going to be viewed as pretentious by regular people. And some of it is. Yeah, that's, that's the problem, is. right? Some, some of it is. is. I will say, I read it on a shitty pirated ebook, which I shouldn't do, but I did it anyway. And that really made it less fun to read, because it did not have the formatting properly. No, oh, the format so, is very important for this It's one. really important. Yeah. So I was like, this is fucking stupid and confusing. And uh, because like things, I guess, did it have like the parts where the cancer intersperses in regular chapters where like the cancer is in this, in the real book is in bold and like offset no. to the right. So like the type setting, depending on who's talking, yeah, like how right it's justified or, left, or something. Right? And it was like, it always, if it, was in, if it was in bold, it means that's the cancer talking. So I, to you, it seemed like just a stream of consciousness gibberish thing, but it's it, actually two exactly characters, like. which no. is a huge difference. I figured it out eventually. That's what was something like that was what was going on. It didn't ha- it happen more towards the end once the cancer started to take over. But even like I have read shittily adapted ebooks or pirated ebooks where it's done, you know, really poorly like that, or like they don't have paragraph breaks anymore or um, real with you know, errors or whatever. Yeah. But this was uh, this was this was one I should have paid for because it was a really good book, but it was it made it what should have been a pretty enjoyable experience. Really, really challenging. Um, so I kind of want to, yeah, the like formatting I, I just, is, I, I was just speed reading the last like third of it before we did this. This is a hard one to speed read, especially when it's not fucking yeah. formatted the right way. Yeah. Cause the so, formatting is just as important to the story as the words are in some, in some, some sections. And the language is really intricate and the language, it even like changed subject. It changed like topic every two sentences. It really is like it does still have no wasted like oh yeah now we're just walking from the Shire to I already said an example but <laughs> but there are parts that are it is that are vaguely stream of consciousness like even yeah. with the, so it is a lot of the cancer sections are kind of like rambly or something I'm sure there's a reason but it is you know it's more if those sections were not in it at all it would be a very well, straightforward cancer book. can't stop. It just like keeps going. It just yeah. keeps expanding. Well, I guess um, your mother must be cancer then. Aha! No, but it, 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 I think part of it is like the per, the mind of a person going through that, like Leah's mind of like, how could you just. Like the cancer must be like the center thing of like every thought is going to loop back there somehow. But there's so many other things like, oh my God, what am I going to do about my, my family and my, my kid and my life? And oh my God, I'm dying. And you know, well, I'm not dying. You've got to be positive. Oh, I have cancer. Like it's just, it's a, it's a black hole that is going to you know get all of your thoughts. So the rambliness might have something to do with that would be my guess. And if, I did not know anything about the biography of the author to know that her mother had actually died of cancer. I mean, I, I looked it up I, afterwards, just like to just find out more about the book. It's like, oh, it's her first book. Like, oh, and it's about her experience. Like she said, like her mother was a not a journalist. She wrote like essays or something, and she <laughs> what was she what like we today public, call a blogger. She like publicly wrote articles in the paper 
or whatever journal she was in um, about her experiences with her cancer treatments. She like documented it. Well, that's pretty good fucking primary source to refer to. She said she never re- she didn't read them for this. She said she read her mother's diaries, which were like okay. a more private version of everything she was going through. So it was probably a cripplingly sad. It's weird, yeah, man. Watching someone narrate their own death. Which is a lot how this felt. Yeah. The book. I'd imagine, you know, if you lose your mother to something like this, you know, you lose the opportunity to ask them any questions about things anymore, right? You lose to talk to them, obviously, at all. But there's so many things like you, you would want to know. Like, of course, you would report, if you had that resource of their diary or whatever, you'd read it to try to get to just know them better a little bit. It's fucking depressing. So I wish I had another beer to open, but I don't. So it's, this, is not, this is at least when we were making, planning to read this, this was short, um, top of the betting odds to win. What do you guys think about and that? And it's still near the top. And I would definitely think, uh, I, would be, I would be happy if this won. And it's definitely way better than Treacle Walker. Fuck that. This is easily the best of the ones we've read so far, like yeah. far and away. This is the most Booker-ish one so far. It's the most Booker-ish, but it's also just objectively the best. Oh, William was great, but it was also just kind of like whatever. Yeah, no, it was, it it was great. On. It was a great book, but it was not. It was a great normal this. book, yeah. <laughs> and this is not normal at all. Yeah. And for the first Walker. book, it's fucking fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's her Citizen Kane. Of just, just come what, out swinging. Was it Shuggy Bane was last year, and that was his first book, right? Uh, was that last year or two years ago? I don't year even before. remember the year. Oh, okay. What the fuck was last year? Oh, yesterday was the last year was the promise, right? Promise. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was far from his first book. Mm. But, um, yeah, not too many debut novels have, have uh, won. So but this one's pretty inventive Props and her. effective. Uh, I'll, I read her, I'll read her next one. Yeah, again. Whatever it may be. So, yeah, I, I'd agree. Of the ones, of the four we've read so far, this is the one I think is the most likely to win. And deservedly so. Not just, you know, sometimes you think it's going to win because it kind of checks off certain boxes, but I'd say this is it's the best. It's about the apartheid. <laughs> exactly. Having a cancer right. during apartheid. <laughs> it's like when, when the Academy Awards roll around, it's like, oh, a Holocaust movie, that's getting nominated. Yeah. It doesn't have to be even a good one. This is like the story of juggling during the Holocaust. <laughs> You're like, oh, that seems in poor taste. <laughs> Spielberg, because it produced. Okay. So, you know, I feel like this is, this is a. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. I, if, if Treacle Walker beats this, I'll be fucking pissed. I'm going to give up on trying to predict a winner of anything anymore if that fucking wins. That's fair. I think if we were British, we would have a more of a the right perspective because Alan Garner is beloved in Britain and we're, we just don't have any Doesn't make it that. right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> I would totally vote for this one so far. Listen, I used to love Mussolini in Italy. That doesn't mean it's like, it's cool. People like bad things, but this is a uh, yeah, this is good. I think it's worth reading, and uh, whether it's it wins or not, it's a great reading. book. So, who should read it? Anyone who likes books, right? Everyone, though, probably not everyone sh- should because some people will hate it because it's a little out there. But if you like books, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Just do yourself a favor and the author and get a real copy because yeah. it's, it is not, you know, yeah. it's not just the, the, the text, the, the formatting of the text is very important. And that is gimmicky, but it's not a gimmick if it's, if there's a point to it. Yeah, if it, if it, if it contributes. A gimmick is, it, 
but but by definition, meaningless, right? Yeah, like if it's a gimmick, yeah, the gimmicks things like, are. And he's wearing good. a hat. I was like, oh. it's yeah, well, it's, it's like the turn of the screw. Um, <laughs> no, no, he wasn't wearing a hat. Oh, that was <laughs> the most impressive gimmick of all. But yeah, let us know what you thought. I guess send us an email to drunkeyesbookclub at gmail Follow us on Twitter at drunkeyesbc, or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkeyesbookclub. And if you've listened this long and you want to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash drunkeyesbookclub. Uh, or just leave us a review wherever you're listening. Or just go tell your friends before it's too late. Or you can also uh, go to Goodreads because that's where we are reading together. And as they say in England, Goodreads. <laughs> and check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.